anyways, let's pray for our kids because parents, we're going to pray for you too. Heavenly Father, we thank you for children and we thank you for their um, excitement and oh, they got emotions too. Um, so, Lord, we're praying for our, our parents who are parenting through something that they've never had to parent through before. Um, I pray for teachers who will be attempting to teach uh, virtually uh, tomorrow. Um, and we just lift all this stuff up to you. And we ask you to do what you do. Show up in powerful ways. And uh, we ask you to bless the, this time that we spend together uh, in our church service. Amen. All right, we got some claps. We got woohoo, amazing. All right, thanks for joining every day, everybody. Um, I guess <laughs> that's on me. <laughs> I gotta, gotta preach. <clears throat> All right, I'm gonna get my notes in here. All right. Last week we studied in John chapter 12. Uh, Gospel of John has 21 chapters, and chapters 12 through 20 occur in the same week. It's the week leading up to the Passover celebration that would see Jesus arrested, beaten, tried, and crucified. And I mentioned how the tension must have been so strong during that time with many people leaving their Jewish traditions to believe in Jesus, and then the Jewish religious leaders publicly calling for his arrest and privately plotting to kill So, we're going through our own form of extreme tension here, aren't we? Uh, we got self quarantines, we got social distancing, canceled sporting tournaments, um, keeping gatherings to no more than 10, state governors calling all restaurants and bars to close. And, and then I hear that the number of confirmed COVID 19 infections in the state of Nebraska is 48. Am I doing the right thing? Right? Am I doing enough? Am I allowing my freedoms to be taken away from me? Right? We got all this, all these questions we've never had to ask before, all these scenarios that we've never had to go through before. And, you know, um, I was pretty honest with you guys. Uh, Midweek, I had a really tough morning um, working in my, my little den here. Two of my bulbs burnt out, it was raining, and then I broke my chair. And I was not having a good day. And, um, you know, the, the truth is we're all going through, we're all going to be processing this a little bit differently. We're all going to be coming to the end of the grace that we typically can have for each other when we don't see each other for eight hours. You know, if we're, if we're stuck in the, in the house with our spouses and kids, we, we can have a little extra grace. But that's that's a little tougher to... to um, Anyway, it, it, it runs out. It runs out. Um, <clears throat> today, we're going to be uh, picking up. Actually, we're going to be just bouncing a little bit. The main scriptures are going to be in John chapter 15. But I wanted to read a couple of these verses kind of as a, a lead up to it. So John chapter 13, verse 1. They got the upper room. They're getting ready to have the Last Supper. And here's what John 13, 1 says. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. 
He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. And one version says, showed them the full extent of his love. And you know what happens next? He washes his disciples' feet. And this is a shock. Masters don't wash disciples' feet. The, the washing of feet in those days was fairly common, but it was always saved for like the lowest level servant. It's kind of nasty, right? Anyway, <clears throat> Jesus does that. And, you know, some of them are like, don't, don't do that. Anyway, the rest of chapter 13 has the disciples experiencing shock after shock. And um, one of my uh, resources here says this. The disciples were troubled and discouraged because Jesus had told them that he would soon leave them. Jesus revealed to them that this would involve his death. Even worse, he also dropped the bombshell that one of his disciples would betray him. Those words had barely sunk in when Jesus broke the news to Peter the rock-solid leader of the disciples, that he would deny even knowing Jesus three times. The final blow came when Jesus told his disciples that every one of them would forsake him. Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Imagine for a moment the impact of all this news coming within a few short hours. You can understand why the disciples must have been in a state of depression, shock, and even denial. Added to this was the fact that the disciples saw Jesus troubled, but they could not comprehend the reason for his distress. Surely, though, they were alarmed by the change in Jesus' demeanor. Surely they could sense the spiritual ground shifting below their feet. The disciples faced a situation that was intensely discouraging. But into that setting, in spite of what Jesus knew was to come, he spoke words to his disciples to encourage them and lift them up. And in John 14, verses uh, 1 through 3, he says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then, just like many of us are, are doing with each other, Jesus speaks to what will, what it will be like on the other side of this trial. He says this in verse 2 and 3. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare, prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Let your, not your hearts be troubled. We're going to make it through this. Everything's going to be fine. And at the end of it, we're all going to be back together again. Those are those are words I needed to hear earlier this week. And, and then in um, John chapter 14, he starts talking about how he and the Father are one. He says something like, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. And then he 
tells them about how the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he, and he tells them, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit, or he, he says, uh, the advocate or comforter or encourager or counselor will come and will never leave you. It says this, the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So Jesus, knowing what his disciples are going through, and as 13.1 says, loving them to the very end, he comforts them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. The Father and I are one. Here's a promise of the Holy Spirit. And now we're going to get into our primary verses in John 15. We're looking at verses 1 through 17, where Jesus teaches how to stay in relationship with him and how to be in relationship with each other. And guys, I, I, again, I needed this this week. So <clears throat> open your Bibles. I'm going to be uh, reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got other translations that you uh, like, rip it. Go for it. Here we go. John 15, verses 1 through 4 says, I, this is Jesus speaking, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And um, check it out. I found this branch, and you can see there's a little bud on there. But uh, unfortunately, it has been separated from the rest of the tree. So what are the chances that this little bud is going to continue to grow? What's the chances that you know, the rest of this branch are going to you know, bear fruit? Through a red trash. It's just worthless. Um, all right, sorry. <clears throat> Got a little something here. Let's let's move on, shall we? All right. <clears throat> Check this out. Every vineyard must be pruned by an expert. The vine dresser had to know how and when to prune and fertilize the vine so that it would produce the maximum crop. The spiritual vineyard is tended by God himself knows best how to train and develop the personality of man. <clears throat> this time that we're in might be one of those training rounds where we have to do things differently and um, maybe that's not such a bad thing. All right, here we go. Uh, verses 5 through 8. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart, apart from me, can you even see this? Apart from ugh, camera, apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask me for anything you want, and it will be granted. 
when you produce fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So Jesus compares being in relationship with him as his disciples to a true vine and branches. When we press into Jesus and we remain in him, he remains in us. And what else happens? Just like a well-tended grapevine, the branches produce fruit. What does that mean in terms of you and me living our lives as followers of Jesus? Let's discover what that might look like. All right. Verses 9 through 11 say, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. When Jesus, the vine, bears through fruit through us, the branches, what gets produced is what flows from the vine into the branches. And what do we see flowing from Jesus? In verse 7, Jesus says that when we remain in him and his words remain in us, we can ask him for anything we want, and it will be granted. One of the fruits of being a true disciple is experiencing answered prayers. Another fruit that flows from Jesus is obedience. Verse 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And verse 11 makes it pretty simple. When you remain in Jesus and he and his words remain in us, we will be filled with his joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is the fruit that is produced in our lives through our connection with our remaining in Jesus. Answer prayer, obedience, and joy. So while we're on the topic of obeying commandments, Jesus has a new one for us. Uh, verses 12 through 17 say, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus uses this framework of stating his commandment, right? Love each other in the same way I've loved you. And then he explains how he's loved his disciples. And then he states his command again, love each other. It's like a love sandwich. Okay, don't get crazy. All right, all right, never mind. I'll keep going. I heard recently that none of the gospels in, I'm sorry. I heard that in, in none of the gospels, do the writers record any of the disciples speaking to Jesus uh, and calling him by his name, they almost always address him as teacher or rabbi or master. 
And here, Jesus differentiates between slaves and friends and how these disciples are Jesus' friends since he told them everything about his coming trial and death. With these foundations of his love for them and their mutual friendship, what does he command them? Love each other. And I, I just have to um, take this second to put our eyes back on what, what's happening here. Everything that God desires from us, Jesus does first, and then he empowers us to do. When the lives of the disciples were a roller coaster of shock and disbelief, and harder days were still to come, Jesus comforted them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. And when you remain in me, you will bear fruit. Obedience to my commands, just as I obey my Father's commands. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But when you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. You'll be filled with his joy. And finally, the fruit of his sacrificial love. Jesus' sacrificial love and friendship flows through us to each other when we remain in him. Anybody uh, in the market for a little bit more joy, a little bit more love for each other, uh, have you noticed how uh, how much easier it is to be loving to someone when you feel loved? And again, let me be clear. This joy and love and obedience is not fruit that you are to produce on your own. Because you can't. Apart from Jesus, you and I can do nothing. So how am I supposed to be bearing all this fruit? Good question. It starts with this, trust in God and trust in Jesus. That's where it starts. Can things get worse? Will things get worse? Trust in God, trust in Jesus. Remain in him and he will remain in you. Okay, I've been saying that a lot. What does that mean? I take it to mean that your relationship with Jesus is like any other relationship you have. The more you press in to trust a person, the closer that relationship is. The more you press into and remain pressed into Jesus, he will remain in you. His words will remain in you. And that is when you start to see fruit produced in your life. In your life today, this week, this quarantine, this pandemic, Jesus will produce through you and in you the fruit of his joy, the fruit of obedience to his commands, the fruit of answered prayers, and the fruit of sacrificial love for each other. He produces that fruit when we as branches are connected to him as the vine. 
So how do we as followers of Christ Jesus press into him and remain in him? How do we take our eyes off of the wind and the waves of our circumstances and set our eyes on him? Uh, there's a couple of different ways. One is through his word. Read the Bible. Don't know where to start? Forget every day? Sign up for a daily scripture email. Uh, the one that I subscribe to is through Grafted Life Ministries, and I'm going to share a link on this. Uh, whatever. I'm losing my words. I'm going to share a link to uh, what I've been subscribing to, and, and it's um, a, a, it's like a, um, medit a meditative where they'll have the same verses several days in a row, plus a challenge. Think about this. Talk to God about this. What are you feeling? You know, write down stuff. Um, anyway, <clears throat> that is a way to get started in reading scripture and pressing into and remaining in his words. Uh, another way is prayer. We've been experiencing God's presence as a church through time set aside to hear from him. Lay your burdens before him and trust him. Listen to what God has to say to you. Maybe you'll see an image or like a little video in your head. Maybe you will hear him speak words. Maybe you'll be drawn to a particular book or chapter or verse in the Bible. Remain in him by experiencing his presence through prayer. Uh, another way, and this shouldn't be a surprise to my vineyard peeps out there, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Become a student of the Holy Spirit and a partner with the Holy Spirit. Press into the Lord Jesus in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And again, <clears throat> that can be that still small voice or that... that um, if you ever hear somebody say, oh, no, I can't think of the words. I had this thought. It occurred to me. A lot of times, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So if you think, I just had this idea. This thought just popped into my head. Um, that can be the Holy Spirit getting a hold of you. Um, and, boy, we got to find a way to, to keep being together and uh, because I, I tell you, I, I learn from you guys, and you guys learn from each other, and um, we're, we we got to keep finding ways to see each other and hear from each other, uh, because a lot of times the Holy Spirit will speak to us through one another, and sometimes He will speak to one another through you. So be bold. Um, anyway. We have a, an opportunity in this time to be the church and to serve and to encourage. And so here's, here's our mission for the week. Here's our encouragement mission for the week. Reach out. Reach out to a neighbor. Maybe it's a little note, stick it on their door. Listen, I live next door to you. I don't know your name. I don't know your cell phone number. But I tell you what, let's be here for each other. Give me a cell phone number. Give me an email address. Let's communicate. Even if we can't be in the same room, um, let's let's be in community. 
with each other. Another way is to share the, um, I want to say, share the verse meme, the one that I shared on Friday. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Uh, that's on our Facebook page. Share that. Share that with people. Because a lot of folks don't have a, a practice or a habit of reading. They don't have any resource for encouragement. So let's start there. Let's start there. Share that, comment, whatever. Let's let's get let's get some encouragement out there, and uh, point folks to the Lord. Guys, it's been um, a crazy week, but it's always a pleasure to be with you. So let me pray this a blessing over you um, before we leave here. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love you guys.